Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a morning show, a show of pain, a show of not so much fun, and that's Teen It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, for uh, another big episode as we kind of get to our hot spot of the year as far as topics that we cover in this podcast. I'll open up the floor to, as I always do, my introductions with Vladdy. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Yeah, I'm actually live from an airport. I have a one-way ticket booked to Sierra Leone. I'm going to become, I'm gonna then hop a couple borders, become one of those Ethiopian pirates that are kind of robbing all the uh, the boats these days. And that's just my new reality because I, I'm not going to deal with the, the one that we do live in. Uh, I'm not doing, I'm just, you know, it's, everything's all right. Um, have not had fully negative interactions with Michigan fans yet. So that's cool. Happy for all my friends that got to witness their team win a national title. But it sucks. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, I guess we'll just start with that because we, we have to. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines, the hometown team, not our, our team, not sponsored by this podcast, wins their first solo national championship since World War II, their first national championship since 1997 26 years for 26 years michigan state fans like Vladdy and i have listened to the pretentious ignorant fan base that pretends like it's the 90s that pretends like bo Beckler is still the coach that pretends they're playing albion college and ann arbor pioneer high school in 1903 that pretends they're part of the elite poor of college football and for years and years and years and years we've been able to laugh that off in our lifetime yep the brady hoke era prior to that the rich rod era where they could barely get bowl games then jim harbaugh the guy that was supposed to save the day supposed to bring glory to that block end and for seven years he largely did not do that for seven years we got the point at the biggest names, one of the biggest family names in football, not getting it done on the biggest stage. However, times and people change. And that is what happened last night, is the ultimate trump card was played in our form of this game, the rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State. It's over. I don't have much else to say. I don't really have much to say to me. We might have lost you. Rut row. Where's Connor? You're frozen. Your 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 last ten seconds just cut out. We're gonna need you to we're gonna, we're gonna have, you need to finish your monologue there. Where was I at on the monologue when it cut out? Um, basically the ultimate trump card came out and it did. The ultimate trump card came out, and while I don't really want to hear about it from people, I also have no response. I know it's over. I don't have an argument. I'll admit defeat. While also, good on me for predicting the Michigan Wolverines to win this title back in August on this show, I admitted that I would be, I almost did it because I didn't want it to happen. I wanted to jinx myself because the fan bases I root for are just Muppet franchises, Muppet schools that make Muppet decisions and lose Muppet games. But alas, Michigan is national champions. I'll leave you the floor to you after that. Yeah. Um, I think the, the worst part is it's going to be – it's not even the right now part because I think right now the fans are still kind of enjoying it. It's going to be the next 10 years where anytime oh, we yeah. try to make fun of them, it's natty, natty, natty. Meanwhile, we're struggling to go 6-6. Six and six, But no, let, let's actually get to the game because the, that, that is what we're here to talk about. Um, I, I typically write my notes, uh, the day of when we're, we're going to be recording these, but for, for that game specifically, um, I recorded or I, I, I wrote them all down as soon as the game ended. Cause it, I wanted it to be fresh in my memory. I wanted everything to kind of sting. And I guess I'll just start with the most, the most upsetting thing to me isn't that Michigan won. It's how they did. Yeah. It's the fact that it would have been so much better if they just came out 
and continued that quick four or 14-3 lead in four, what felt like five minutes where everyone's like, oh my God, is this going to be Georgia TCU again? It would have been so much better if that happened because then we could have just put our shoulders in the air and said, you know what? They were just that good and they right. were unbeatable. But that's not what happened. And that's the thing where I'm going to sit here and say Washington had every right to think that they could have won that game. They played the defense did incredible after once you t- once they kind of realized what they needed to do. And there was a couple of drops, a couple of arm tackles, and I don't want to do this because it's going to sound like an excuse, but it did happen and a couple of calls that changed the game. Now I'll get to that. I know you're, I know you're shaking your head the the people listening can't see this, but it happened and I'll get to that. Let's start with, I don't really understand Washington's approach on the first couple drives. You know what Michigan is. You know what they can do. You know what they don't do, which is throw the ball with any form of, I don't want to say downfield, consistent. Yeah, it's, it's all little ha motion this way, JJ bootleg out the other way, throw it into the flat for a 10-yard gain. There's nothing over the top. There's nothing down the middle. There's no... There's no Washington passing offense to Michigan. It's all run, 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 and break out the play action when we need to. And it took Washington two drives to realize it. And you know what? At least I'll give the coaches some credit. They did realize it because after those first two drives, Michigan did nothing for two and a half, three quarters. They they largely didn't do anything until the last seven minutes of the fourth. So mm-hmm. you've got three quarters of Washington's defense not just doing their job, exceeding what we expected them to do. We thought if Washington wanted a shot to win, they'd need to put up 40 points. Washington could have put up 24, and they could have won the game, depending on how that was going. I understand they got to 34, but that was under a different game script, and I'll get to that as well. They could have put up 24 and possibly won that game based on how good the defense played, and then we get to the next part. Michael Penix. He picked a bad day to have a worse day. Now, I understand there he was pressured on some throws. Largely, I think the Washington offensive line did good enough to give him time. There were, there, the tackles, I think the tackles did very well. Interior, the guards in the center, those guys were just outmatched, outstrength, outweighed, outclassed by Michigan's interior uh, defensive line. And that's really where the pressure came from. If you remember, uh, was it Sainer still or Will Johnson who had the first interception? I think Will it was Johnson. Will Johnson. Oh, yeah. If you remember that, that's the play where he gets where he gets stepped on by his own guy because he just got bull rushed right into him. That was a yeah. guard. You look at some of the other plays where he had some misses. The in the first half where Adunze is wide yeah. open and he, th- there really wasn't anyone in Phoenix's face. Missed it. Yeah. There were a couple other throws where not that they would have not that it would have been some seventy yard bomb, but it was a 10, 15 yard play. Missed it. And it killed him. I mean, Michael Penix was the leader of that team. He was the guy who had to have a good game if they wanted any chance to win. And he didn't have it. And it's just, uh, sorry, I just want to pipe in about Penix real quick. Is It's just so uncharacteristic to, he was so absurdly accurate all year long to just not, it'd be one thing if like, this we're talking about, you know, a, a, a guy that could run or a guy that's throwing the deep ball like a Jalen Milrow. But the, what made him so special all year was his ability to put the ball in such tight windows. And he just wasn't able to do that play in and play out big moment after big moment. Cause Washington had drive after drive where they could have came back in the game. And I credit a lot of the Phoenix stuff. You mentioned the guards. I actually, and I know some people specifically in group chats that we're in, we're mentioning that Will Johnson had a bad guy. I thought Will Johnson was awesome. They did not throw the ball down the field at all. And that so, was their game plan the whole yeah, year. Yeah. yeah, he that I mean, he pretty much followed Adunze around, and it was the classic best on best. There were a couple of times where Adunze got behind him, right. and there were a couple of times where, dear Lord, you didn't know where Adunze was because he was right. draped by a blue shirt. It was Will Johnson's legit. That is a guy who I think this was his true sophomore year. He'll play somewhere next year. Probably we'll see what happens there just because you never know with, with what the NCAA allegations. That's that's a topic for later. 
He'll play somewhere next year. And if he wants to go to the draft, that's a top 10 pick. He is outrageous. Yeah. But okay. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. No, um, I, again, I, this is not excuses, but there is something we have to mention. It's a score of 13 to 20. You have a ticky tack holding call that negates a Washington 30 yard pass and kills a drive. I'm not saying that means Washington scores on the next play or scores on that drive, but that was a 40 yard change of or field possession change on one play. On the very next drive, you have a ticky tack holding call that doesn't get called for Michigan, and that leads on on a 40-yard Colston Loveland catch and run. That is a 50-yard change of field possession play that doesn't go. And it is what it is. But that completely flips the game because then, uh uh-oh, Washington is now down 13-27. to We have to play reckless. We have to play suicidal. That leads to the next interception that almost gets run back. Two plays later, it's 34-13. And that's where it's like, this was a... For the entire for 54 minutes, this was a one possession game. I guess if you take out the the first four minutes where Michigan jumped on him, for 50 minutes it was a one possession game, and two flags, one called, one uncalled, change drives that force Washington to go into suicide mode, and it like that score being 34 13 that is not representative of that game, and anyone no, who yeah. tells me it was is an idiot. And the the you make a good point on the on the the hold that was called that negated because that was I mentioned it just a, a second ago that was the first time they broke free on a long pass yep. the entire game yep and it just completely you kind of like oh okay it looks like we're actually going to look like Washington now and then it gets called back and like you said you kind of start to panic even more than you should have been kind of with the time of and it felt like because the second half was literally just Washington. Okay, can Washington tie the game? Okay, can Washington tie the game? Okay, drive watch. It felt like the, like, with 10 minutes left in the third quarter to right up until Michigan pulled away with whatever it was, five, six, seven minutes, um, that felt like forever. That felt like the last seven minutes of the game. And it felt like the entire game or was that portion of the game. Yeah, no, and – Absolutely. We give credit to Michigan's defense. We talk about Will Johnson. We talk about Mikey Sainer still. Both of those guys, I think I think Will Johnson had two of them and Sainer still had one. They both had these arm tackles that you typically see receivers get out of and then just take off. Mm-hmm. That would have happened if those guys miss or if they don't or if, or if they get the little floopy arm and they let the guy go. There was twice with Jalen McMillan and once with Roma Dunze where those guys, if they get out of that arm tackle, are probably still running 24 hours later. And credit to them, they made those tackles. They That defense, we talk about the interior defensive line, uh, Junior Colson at linebacker was everywhere. It was it was incredible. Um, I, 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 I'm not sitting here, I hope that, to those listening and especially the Michigan fans who are going to be like, ah, he's crying over sour grapes. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just telling you what I saw. And I truly do believe that if you saw something different, we probably didn't see the same game because it happened. Those yeah. things happened. Washington does have every right to believe they could have won that game. And you know what the best part is? That's honestly more telling for Michigan because Michigan didn't play great. Right. They sat there and their coaches muzzled the offense for three quarters because it was Hey, let's run the ball into an eight-man box. Hey, if your quarterback's supposed to be a first-round pick, why don't you let him throw it sometimes? Do you not trust him? Maybe not, or maybe you just don't need to. Clearly not, because they just went 15-0, and 0, but that, that's the thing where we've said for the entire season this was the best team in America, and that's what happens when you are the best team in America. You get to play your B if not your C plus game and everyone else needs to play an A game just to get close to you. Right. It happened. It, and that's what makes me leave even more unfortunate. Cause like, I obviously don't want it to happen. I have to sit there and grasp at the possibilities. Oh, if this would have happened, if that would happen, could this have happened? It's like, why couldn't they have just beat the shit out of them? And it would have been at least a little bit more, you know, what, what are we going to do? We throw our hands right. in the air. What are we going to do? I 
Uh, I have a question as far as outlook. Um, where would you put this Michigan team all time as far as national champions? So they will never get the recognition that 20, 2019 LSU gets because they no, weren't flashy. I don't think they're quite there. Well, so hold on a second because there's different ways to win football games. You, not every like, you, I agree, but I still don't know if like even from a flashy standpoint, like that LSU team played pretty much good defense most of the way of that season too, and had some dogs on defense that got drafted as well. Who? Derek Stingley. Was he, I don't think now, he for that. Now I'm, now I'm going to have to Google some guys here. to Unless uh, Derek Stingley was a true freshman for that year, which he might have been, I don't think Stingley was there. I, th- I thought Stingley showed up the COVID year. Derek Stingley Jr. is the first name that came up, came up when I typed in the 2019 roster. Okay, I mean, cool. You got you got a corner. They, they gave up points. Oklahoma moved the ball on them until they lost 60-30. to 30. Alabama put up 40 on them. Team scored on them. It's just that because... Everything is so Patrick good Queen. Offense. Patrick Queen. I mean, he made the league, but come on. Derek Stingley. Uh, there's a lot of NFL guys with guys with NFL logos, but I don't recognize any of them. Look, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and I'm not I'm I, I hope I wasn't coming off that I was gonna put them up there with 2019 LSU. I'm just saying they'll never get the recognition. That the 2019 LSU I, yeah, team was just point, because yeah. they didn't score 60 points a game and right. they didn't have the, the flashy headlines of, oh my God, Joe Shiesty with the cigar and here comes Jamar Chase, this and that. That's a good point. But yeah. I will say that they are probably closer to that team than a lot of people will probably admit. How do they like, – I mean, you look at some of the other 15-0 and 0 teams, what was it, last year's Georgia – there's only been four in the college football playoff era. It was, wasn't Clemson the other one? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I remember. that. Was that the 2018 Clemson team? I think it was. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I remember what they did. Um, I know I know they had some dogs. I think that was the T. Higgins, Justin Ross year with ETN as well. But yeah. I, I, I would just say I definitely if, – if we're talking about the, the college football era teams, I would go LSU one – Probably the two years ago Georgia team would probably be my number two. I would I would honestly the one that lost. The one that lost. Oh, the one with Jordan Davis? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would have to go back and look at it, put putting me on the spot here. And you know what? In the offseason, maybe that'll be a very, very fun debate because it sounds like I might be going a different way than you. But worst playoff teams, Michigan State Spartans. Yikes, but yeah. Um, <laughs> now we'll do that, but I think they're closer to 2019 LSU than people might want to admit. Um, uh, cool for them. Hopefully it gets vacated, even though it doesn't change the memories that you can't, you're, you can't take away the confetti falling down in the interviews and everything that those guys felt in the moment. I but, agree with that, but from like our sake as state fans in the argument, it would give us something. That's what I'm saying. I, I really hope I really hope it gets taken yeah. away, but that's not gonna change how those people felt and how they feel. I mean you think I Reggie agree. Bush cares that he doesn't have the Heisman in his in his house anymore? I don't think he gives not, a shit. Well, no. I think that's even different though. Why they vacated that one? Like I, I feel like an individual award like that. It's like it's not synonymous with the actual. I uh, the Didn't point I'm gonna USC's make. I'm not gonna be able too, to though? It. Didn't they vacate USC's wins? They did. They yeah, did. Yeah. So did. I'm saying it's the same thing. Like you're never gonna change how those people felt in the moment. It's just yeah. for the the ones on the outside, the ones that need to start tearing it down brick by brick. We need something to grasp at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, but yeah, no. I mean, they're sensational. We talked about it all year. Um. I, 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 for the sake of himself, I really hope JJ McCarthy comes back to school, um, and goes to. I don't know though. Like we talked about, how his stock stock might not be that high after two very mediocre playoffs games, but like the team is losing everybody. Transfer Who's he gonna come back and impress with transfer or or you can't transfer. Sure, you can't. You can't. If he wants to go down as the greatest Michigan quarterback ever, you can't just you win a national. Who cares? 
listen, all right, how, okay, how about this? You know what? Maybe he won't transfer. How about this? If Harbaugh's gone, which a lot of people believe he might be, why don't you go to your coach and say, hey, man, I want to throw it more than 15 times a game. That'll be I a think good that's way. what will happen. I think and, you'll see. In any case, find, for J.J. McCarthy's sake so that he there is an NFL future there, please find a place where you can actually showcase your passing abilities. And when I mean that, I mean don't throw 10 passes to the flat and 10 checkdowns and 10 dump offs and one little bootleg to a tight end that's wide open. Find a place where you can throw it down the field and actually showcase to people, hey, I'm J.J. McCarthy. This is what I can do. Uh, fair. I think we're both in the same boat, though. Like, I don't think you can watch those games. And I don't really want Michigan fans' opinion because I think it's so blinded by what he did. He did the impossible. You've had so many good names come in and out over the last 25 years and say they're the guy. Some guys actually good. Chad Henney had a great career at Michigan. Um, Shea Patterson, wink, wink, not. Uh, and he's the one that did it. He went 27-1 and one in two years as a starter. It's absurd. I, I think they put up the graphic uh, during the game. That's the third best in college, record in college football history. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you can't watch him still and tell me that's a first-round pick. At no. this moment, I'm not saying it's not 100% in there, like many, I think, on our side of the table would say. But there's some kind of middle ground between what Michigan fans fans think he is as an NFL prospect um, and what state fans or what naysayers say. I think there's kind of a middle ground between those two sides. Absolutely. And you know what? I'll actually give credit to some of the one, to the Michigan fans I know. They actually probably agree with that sentiment. It was a lot of – from the ones I, I've talked to since it happened, it wasn't a – Oh my God! He should get drafted after Drake May. It wasn't anything stupid. It wasn't. It wasn't delusion. It wasn't this and that. It was just, hey, look, like I genuinely didn't think we could win a title without JJ taking a big step forward. He didn't take a big step forward this year, but we still won a title. Yeah. All right. I'm. I'm. I really hate. I can feel my blood boiling talking about these guys. We got to move on. <laughs> Let's talk to our our team and the rivalry and the mediocrity of them it's on the basketball team yes and they have just simply disappointed like uh, or are starting to disappoint us again hey where's the last time we left off with the basketball team i think it was after the it was it was after the or right before the penn state game which basically okay. means they just beat all the bad teams but i just wanted to quickly say one thing just because i know this is more of your thing because this is kind of your your team um like katie perry once said hot and cold yes off to you and it's just another – it's something we've seen so much of since the COVID year from these Izzo teams is it's like he doesn't have guys ready to play. They look so scared away from the Breslin on Sunday night. They obviously get pounded by Northwestern. They had a little bit of a comeback in the second half, end up losing by 17, down 15 at the half. After a game at the Breslin where I know Penn State's going to be the bottom of the barrel as far as the Big Ten goes this year, right along with you, Michigan's fans, basketball team, at least we have that still. <laughs> Six and nine is a rough start. Um, but played a Penn State game that was largely like the Baylor game. You came out shooting the lights out. Tyson Walker got the ball, got his shots. Malik Hall was great inside, kind of gave him a post presence almost. Uh, and a when AJ Hogarth can get downhill and go into the basket, this team is really good. They get out, they run, they make shots. But when they start to get into a half court like a half court game and slow it down, it looks like a lot of what we were saying in November and December. And that's what Sunday was. A lot of kind of getting into the half court and being forced into the half court, having to run your sets. And at that point, it's basically AJ Hogard or Tyson Walker having to create a jump shot for themselves. And that's just not going to win very many games. Um, Jackson Kohler kind of came in Sunday, gave you some pity minutes. Um, we'll see where that goes as far as getting some offense inside. I'm somewhat optimistic. He looks so rusty, as he should. He hasn't played all year. They said he didn't even start practicing until uh, Friday, like full-on practices this past Friday. Uh, and I saw this stretch of the schedule. I mean, you come off of playing the, the the dumpster fire programs in December, and then you get a nice cakewalk Penn State to start off the new year in Penn State, or Big Ten play. 
Uh, and now you get a solid Northwestern team. They're the, they're the only team to beat Purdue this year. Um, they're veteran team with a lot of seniors. Also, Boo Booey is somehow our age and still man. playing college yeah. basketball. He was um, awesome again Sunday night. Uh, he doesn't and, lose to us. He doesn't lose to us. No, he doesn't. That's a good point. They've always we've always struggled against them. Uh, they're a tournament team. They're going to be there. They're a good solid team, uh, even though they had kind of been cooling off as of late. And then you play a very good Illinois team on Thursday night uh, at Illinois again. That's so also you got to go on the road again. That's also I was going to say we historically struggle at Illinois. Now, yes. granted, at, at Illinois, I mean Illinois is a good college basketball program up until right. March. Yeah. Usually up until up until March, but we we struggle in, in Champaign. So I, I have minimal expectations for that game. It'll be kind of fun though. It's a late tip off on Thursday. I don't yeah. work Friday, so maybe I'll uh sit down with some adult beverages and laugh at well uh, what our team puts out on the court. Yeah. Uh and I just re- I'm really scared about this team on the road. They're they've lost and looked very lost. Lost and looked lost. I like, I like that. Yep, there we go. <laughs> Uh, in both their road games at Nebraska and obviously this past Sunday against Northwestern, the schedule is still opens up that you can't overreact too much to the one loss. Like you said, this team is just kind of going to be hot and cold all year. They're nine and six. And I look today, Joe Lenardi still has them as a seven seed somehow. Um, Probably the Baylor I, win and the suicidal schedule that is always. I know, but it's there. just like, it's so crazy to me. And this is going to be an extreme that I I don't take take it with a grain of salt. But James Madison is thirteen and one, and they were last four out. I know they play nobody, but still, that's just crazy dynamic to me with how hot and cold Michigan State has been. So I guess this doesn't have to be a big discussion because we'll obviously get to it towards tournament time. But does when you say last four out, that obviously doesn't factor in that James Madison will probably, probably win, win their correct. Their, their conference title and they'll be an automatic bid anyway, right? So like this last route is just them stacking up with the top six or top 72 teams in college basketball, right? Correct. And, and that's kind of a good point is a, a state team could probably, probably not because those mid-majors are going to be in the teens. But yeah, those teen rankings are kind of just a lot of the good mid-majors like that that they think are going to be in. Yeah. No, no, those, those things, I mean, occasionally we've seen some, we've seen some very high ranked mid-majors in the past. So I, I know it, I, I know it's possible, but I don't know. That's a later discussion, but. Yeah. I, there's a part of me that as far as Michigan state, the last thing I'll say is you're going to pro I, 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 me included, I'm going to press the panic button when they lose on Thursday and they're nine and seven and one and three in the big 10. But then you look, they play Rutgers at home, Minnesota at home, Maryland, who's awful this year, uh, a tough Wisconsin game on the road, and then Michigan at home. You play five games the rest of the month that you should win four of them, and you sit pretty easily at 13 and thirteen and eight. And at that point, I think you could probably say you probably have a shot at the tournament. The, my point is, is the schedule opens up. February, they play Maryland, Minnesota, Illinois again, Penn State again, Michigan again, Iowa, who sucks, Ohio State, who sucks. There's just a lot of suck in the Big Ten this year, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to benefit from we're overreacting based on who they've lost to when they haven't gotten to the games, I think, that are going to be Ws just because this team is not quite as bad as past year's hot and cold teams. Yeah, um, I guess the one thing they want to ask me about the Big Ten, because I I think you'll have more – or have a better insight than me. Is this not going to be a vintage Big Ten year where nine or ten or eleven teams are pushing for a tournament bid? No, it. I, it's going to be kind of like past years, from what I've seen. Is it's going to be Purdue's obviously going to be you know one or two seed. Illinois is probably going to be a two to a four. Uh, Wisconsin will be a four or five, and then after that, you're looking at probably six or seven, seven through ten seeds. Oh, that's awesome we get to play each other in the second round. Right. So that's, that's kind of what I think the big 10 is. That's a blessing and a curse, man. It is a blessing and a curse because you can look at it two ways and that the big 10 has nobody good. And a team like Michigan state that theoretically on paper should be, I think on paper, they're a fringe top 25 team in my opinion. Um, Now, if they, if they play like they, 
like the paper says they should pay, which they don't, like you've we've kind of been over in this discussion, uh, then you're going to lose to seven through 10 seeds. But if you do, then you're going to win because they're not that good at the same time. So it goes either way. You can look at it. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, you know what? You were talking about 26 years earlier for Michigan. Does that mean we're set for an MSU natty in 2026? I would, I would love that. I would be okay with that. And the suck because for us. Realistically, I threw the hypothetical in a chat where I, of like, will we see a Michigan State football not a chance national no. championship in our lifetime? I think the consensus is very, very, very small chance to no chance. And uh, what do you think, like Michigan State basketball's chances after Izzo? Do you after? think they remain the pro? I know you're kind of like the so yeah, you're I'm, asking. <laughs> I'm joining. I'm slowly joining the Izzo is washed, but I'm kind of of the camp of like Michigan fans were maybe four years ago with Jim Harbaugh. It was like, well, what else? Who else are we gonna get? Like, what else are we gonna? Like, I mean, are we gonna? We're gonna have to. He he needs to start like grooming a predecessor here, a young predecessor that is hip with the modern landscape of college sports and work and it just seems like there's no plan for that once he's gone and it's just going to be okay well what do we do now is 74 and doesn't want to coach anymore go get nate oats go i mean okay but like are we just going to offer nate oats a bag and like sure sure arkansas can eat or sorry alabama could give him a bag oh alabama doesn't have that kind of money for basketball so all tied oh, up to yes, they do. No, yes, they don't. They, do. they, don't give a, they don't give a rat's ass about basketball. All right, fine. Go steal Denzel's little brother from Loyola. Yeah, that, that the, everyone loves to say that one, but like they've been that horrible. was three. Yeah, that was three years ago when he was rocking horrible. with those been, like, like three seven footers. <laughs> yeah, and they've been horrible. Since. I know. I that was more of a joke. I just those were like the two you talked about predecessors, quote unquote. Those were those two guys that the for the longest years, time so. everyone wanted. Mind you frozen. You're back. Uh, do you want to move on? Okay, cool. I tried not to say anything while I was going. <laughs> uh, do you want to move on to NFL and then Lions? Yes. Yeah. Let's get to the – do we start with the spooky Lions or should we do the rest of the NFL? Let's do the spooky Lions first because then I'll we like can kind of just do quickly glance over week 18 and get into the playoffs picture. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll quickly go just because – there honestly isn't too much to talk about the game itself. Yeah. I mean, you're better than the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it was a meaningless game. Dallas was never losing to the Commanders. And frankly, you probably got a little lucky that Philadelphia lost to the right. Giants. I know how bad they are, and I know how much turmoil is with the coach right now. But, and I mean, A.J. Brown goes down, and the Giants kind of jump on him. I get it. But... You probably got lucky that even Philadelphia lost. In any case, that that, that changes nothing. The big topic of discussion, should or should not, should or shouldn't the starters have played at all or a half or a quarter or however long. Uh, I guess I'll start with you. Uh, where Where's your thoughts on it? Where how, how, how did you think it should have gone? Yeah, it's such a tough one because it's so easy now to say they shouldn't have played. Uh with your probably your second best threat on offense going down um, for perhaps the season um, in Sam Laporta. However, I am of the belief I don't buy into the got to keep your mojo, got to keep momentum, got like don't want them to get cold mentality in the National Football League. In the sport of football in general, I think that is a load of shit. They practice every day. It's the most physical sport in the league. They could get, like, you're getting, playing actual physical pads games doesn't make them hot, doesn't give them momentum. I think that is bullshit in professional football. Uh, And I wholeheartedly was of the belief that you shouldn't have played a single guy on the active roster in any week of this season for this game. I don't care if you could have gotten the two seed. I feel very passionately about 
having your best roster ready for the playoffs. And now you can argue uh, getting Aline McNeil and now CJ Gardner Johnson, some reps. Those are different. Those ones are different. They're coming back. Getting them reps, I think, is okay, especially with how long like a CJ Gardner Johnson has been out. Um, but regardless, I wouldn't have played him a single snap in that game. You saw every other team in any other spot do the same thing. The 49ers did it. The Browns did it as a wild card team. Everyone did it but you. Any, I mean, I would say any team that was locked into their seat. Now, I like, and when I say lock, I mean genuinely locked in. And I I think the, but like, the only argument that I really see is the momentum thing and like the the mojo thing. Like, that's the argument people use for playing them in the Lions situation, which again, I just don't subscribe to with the way the NFL is now. I, I, I completely agree with you. I would have preferred to have seen them sit or I would have preferred to have seen them not dressed. That would have been actually pretty cool because A, everyone talked about, oh, we're going to get Teddy Bridgewater some snaps so he can retire. I don't think he stepped foot on the field. No. Um, B, you could have seen Hendon Hooker that way because you could have just sat and said, hey, golf's not a, golf, golf is inactive this week. Here's my other two quarterbacks. Boom! You get to see the best of both worlds. You get you get to do the ooh Teddy Mister Football against the team that drafted him. Good goodbye. And you could have seen what you hoped your future could be with Hendon Hooker. You talk about. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown. We, yeah, I was going to get no, to that. Look, he didn't he didn't get hurt because he came back in, but he fucked up his ribs. And then you put him back in, even then, like yeah. You, you I saw the you saw the Eagles with AJ Brown. AJ Brown stepped on his hurt his pinky finger and they they didn't let him back. Yeah, in the they're game. like, dude, you're and done. I'm, I'm questionable if he even got hurt. To be honest, no, AJ yeah, Brown. no, that was um that was that was my, I'm I'm really glad he stayed because I had the same thing, thought process when I saw him kind of come off holding his ribs. I was like, God damn it! And then three plays later, he's running on the field. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I think they did it with Brian Branch too. <sighs> yeah, but yeah, Brian Branch. I mean, Khalif Raymond goes down, but like. You know what? You had to at least play somebody, so Khalif yeah. Raymond probably would have been playing that game anyway. Does it hurt because he is kind of one of those gadget players that will see one or two design touches a game that can actually do something? Yeah, sure. But the the, the Laporta thing's massive. I know Dan Campbell sat here in the couple days since and keeps saying, oh, there's an outside chance. Oh, there's an outside chance. Oh, there's an outside chance. I think that's bullshit. I think there's no chance. And second of all, even if there is a chance, what are you going to put him out there on? 45%? He's going to be half of what Dylan Johnson was last night who could barely yeah. run? Yeah, we didn't talk about Dylan Johnson. I almost thought he hurt them for for at some point of him going back in there and playing. Sorry, this is a no, total good. sidebar. No, I was I was going to say, I thought he did all right. I mean, he got about four yards per carry. It was just yeah. right. I mean, when he was hurt, it was one of those where, dude. Like, you're not doing any good here. Okay, but back to Laporta. Yes, um, back to the Lions. It is what it is. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe Laporta gets some cortisone shots, and we see him running out there with the flag, leading the Lions, get a big roar from the crowd. Maybe they don't announce it until the, anything. They just pop up the injury report for the game 90 minutes beforehand, and Laporta's fully ready to go, and the crowd's like, whoa. But, no, he's, he's probably not playing. It's your second-best weapon, and – Rut row raggy. Yeah. And and it'd be one thing if it was for the bot, like for this outside chance was for the one seed, I think. Like I could get behind the decision a little bit because it would be a buy. You'd be playing these guys to have a buy to mm-hmm. get more rest, essentially. Yeah. But to get the two versus three seed is so I mean, there's a chance it doesn't even matter having that home field advantage in the second round. Yeah, no, I mean, like if the Cowboys lose to the Packers, you have it anyways. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, we'll get to the playoffs specifically. I, I do. Do we just want to quickly run through our like typical of the weeks for the NFL? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, game of the week for you. Uh, game of the week for me, just because of the drama. Uh, was Saints forty eight, Falcons seventeen. Oh, um, I like that. I thought I just wanted to kind of get the Jameis Winston, Jamal Williams, 
and then the coaches um, right afterwards. First of all, so funny. Arthur Smith was like, that's classless, that's classless. And then he got to the locker room and found out he did not. He was handed a pink slip and would no longer be coaching the team. Um, <laughs> but. Oh, did we lose Connor again? Rut row. Connor. Connor. If you, knew... you cut out. You're going to have to start over right after the pink slip, man. You got this oh, Walmart connection. Sorry. Yeah, the they call it. Um that basically right off right after he got on, off the field, he was handed a pink slip. Um that Arthur Smith, after kind of going off on the Saints coach, um Dennis is his name. I can't Dennis remember. Allen, yeah. Dennis Allen, yep. Uh but I don't know how you feel about the like the Jamal Williams going for the the yards thing. Um I was fine with it. So I think it's double funny that Dennis Allen didn't even know it was happening. Yes, that's that's the that's the part that I like. And Jameis <laughs> Winston sticking up to the reporter at the end of the game is awesome, and is why Jameis should just forever be a backup in this league because he's just so entertaining. He is and provides stuff. us with so much fun stuff, whether it's him talking uh, or him just playing football while he was quite possibly a blind man uh, and then getting surgery and coming back and not being able to throw a football more than 20 yards in the year. For some reason, his arm went to shit as soon as his eyesight got good. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought the whole situation was funny uh, and it resulted in a firing in Atlanta, even though it was a meaningless game that really meant nothing for either team. Uh, Saints were playing for an outside chance of the, of the of the playoffs and of the uh, of the division had the Bucks not won, but so oh, I won't let I, you okay. call it that meaningless. But um, actually, funny enough, the Falcons were still alive too. If they had won and the Bucks had lost, the Falcons would have won the division. So Arthur Smith, not he he really got cucked, and I'm very happy he did because now Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and Drake London are free. But uh, that that's for a different time. If there's a fantasy podcast, or maybe we do a Black Friday or Black Monday special with coach coaches firings and whatnot. Some of them surprise me. Just saying yeah, that. I there, I feel like there's still more to come. I could see Chicago making a move, and obviously Billy be leaving New England if you don't already consider that a, 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 a guarantee. You said, "Oh, Bill leaving New England." You know what's what's not something that's still developing is if the Eagles lose on uh, Monday night. I think Sirianni's gone. I could see it. I could the way that organization it. and that fan base work, I think he's gone if they lose. What about game. McCarthy while we're talking about it? He could he could get yeah, he I, I, I agree with that one too. Yeah, yeah. No, there is there is absolutely a lot of uh there's a lot to go around in terms of coaching changes uh in the coaching carousel. But my game of the week, uh Texans Colts, it was the unofficial first playoff game of the season. Winner yeah. is now they didn't know at the time, but it was, at, the, at the time it was win and you're in because the winner would have been a wild card. But then obviously we'll get to this team later. At least I will for foreshadowing Oof. for my fraud. Um, it turned into a battle for the AFC South, and it was just the Texans are so much fun to watch. First play designed nuke with Max protect and only Nico Collins running a route. And Stroud's just like that was down there. That's it was so much fun. But Texans able to do just enough, stay ahead throughout the game. I know there was kind of the the happening at the end where on fourth and two, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss are both sitting on the bench, and Tyler Goodson is on the field, and they get a nice little out route thrown to him. Good little design play hits him in the hands doesn't come down with it season over. And I guess the reason that I kind of bring this one specific up is because I was looking at some of the interviews afterwards and I thought they, everyone kind of handled it perfectly. Goodson owned up to it. There was no hiding behind things. It was look, man, like it was in my hands. I, I, I threw it, I threw it away and he was, he was distraught, destroyed with himself. I mean, you've got Minshew up there kind of like a true leader. Hey man, I could have thrown a better ball. It was slightly out of his reach, and it was slightly out of his reach. It was not the perfect pass, but as we say in the NFL, if it hits your hands, you catch it. Yeah. Um. I I I kind of got a lot of good vibes out of kind of the the Colts culture, if you will. There, there was no no shenanigans, no no stupidity, just kind of everyone sticking together. And sad that their season came to an end, but. 
getting to getting to my fraud of the week. I said it, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um from eight from eight and three to nine and eight and a torpedo of the division. Um, I guess kudos to them because they kept the streak of there's always a team that goes from worst to first alive. Yep. We got the Texans to do that. Um they just completely fell apart. Now I don't know if the schedule just picked up. I, I, I'm not sitting here looking at it, but to go from eight and three to nine and eight missing the playoffs, that's tough. That's a collapse. Yeah. And you can kind of just look down the line at guys that just like flopped yep. this year. Calvin Ridley. Like down the roster. That's all I had. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, I mean, Calvin Ridley for a guy who was incredibly hyped during the off-season workouts and was running yeah. like a rocket. And I remember those videos where he was just it, it, he was moving at Superman speed. He wasn't necessarily trash, but he wasn't the Calvin Ridley that maybe people had hoped. I, I would see some. I would see his name trending, and the the Jags fans were like, "Oh, we're not even going to give this guy a contract. That trade's just going to stay a fourth round pick." Right. You got, I mean, Christian Kirk missed some time. ETN kind of fell apart towards the end of the season. And I know a lot of that was coincidental or coincided with the offensive line falling apart. The defense gives some credit to Josh Allen. He was, phenomenal. I was going to say, yeah, Josh Allen. Um, but anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough to play defense with one good guy and 10 pieces of wood. Ask Aiden Hutchinson how that goes. Um, I guess we kind of forgot to mention we kind of forgot to mention Hutch. He's had a very productive last month of the season, so I'll give him credit. Um, Last two weeks, yeah. But yeah, the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars just collapsed from every facet, from absolutely every angle. Anything that was just a monumental collapse, and they get to watch the Texans host a playoff game where they can win because Joe Flacco. We know he's been on this hot streak, but I don't know. Texans have every right to think they can so, win a playoff game. Okay, so that was my actually one of the questions I had for you next is where are you at on the Texans as far as their actual chances in the playoffs? I think maybe it's a basic thought, and I'm so used to the Texans playing like the Saturday afternoon wild card game with like Connor Cook or like Matt Schaub Jr. as their quarterback, and you don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. But I. I my basic thought is they're they're going they're going to be there, but the group is just not ready against a Browns defense that is very very ready and a Joe Flacco who knows his job. He's not yep. going to come out and just let the world on fire, but he's been there and he he knows what his role is at this point. Yeah, that no, that's a, that's a very valid point. I think I mean home field advantage in the playoffs is crazy. Huge. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens at Ford Field because I think that's going to be one of the loudest stadiums probably in NFL history, just with how much the city's been waiting. We're not talking about that game. Pardon my uh, kind of diversion there, but I think they have every right to think they can win. Um, okay. Yes, you've lost Tank Dell. You kind of just basically discarded Damian Pierce throughout the season, but Devin Singletary has come in and actually looked pretty good from the run game, giving him some compliments there. Nico Collins has assumed the wide receiver one dude is if he wasn't that already while Tank Dell was still healthy. Um, I know Noah Brown is kind of this funny guy where he's kind of been, I don't want to say journeyman, but he's always kind of been one of those Josh Reynolds room fillers. But it seems like every time they need him, he comes up with this nuclear performance. They have, I mean, Dalton Schultz, they they have the offensive pieces now, this this is just strictly looking at offense. Doesn't look at matchup. We'll see how that offensive line holds up. They are playing a sensational defense. I'm pretty. Didn't they play each other earlier in the year? I feel like they did, and I think the Texans won it. Or maybe I'm thinking of someone else. So give me 30 seconds to look this up, um, and I'll kind of revert the question back to you. Do you think the Texans have a shot in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of answered my own question as I asked it to you. I just, I just really like, and this is getting into a playoff preview. I just do, I just have much more trust in that Browns roster, veteran defense that's very elite against a veteran quarterback who, again, knows his role, knows knows he doesn't have to light the world on fire. And unfortunately, the Texans are kind of at the mercy of C.J. Stroud and a guy, a rookie in his first playoff game, is hard to 
as a betting man, bet on. That, that, I, with that I said, I can't dispute that. With that said, uh, CJ Stroud, even though he missed the two two games, two games, the concussion, yeah, he's far and away offensive rookie of the year. Oh, absolutely! Right? Dude, yes. He was in the MVP race up until the concussion. Just wanted to make he sure. Was, yeah, no, I, I again, um, I'm not going to put anything past him. I love the guy, and maybe part of my decision saying that I think they have a chance is an emotional one as opposed to a rational one, because like you said, I. I agree with what you're saying in terms of the, the experience versus the the rookie head coach and yeah. the young defense and the young offense. This is absolutely a team that is ahead of schedule. We we talked about that with the Lions at times last year. They're absolutely ahead of schedule. So they're kind of playing with house money and go have some fun. Do some yeah. do some crazy, win a game, make it to Baltimore. Should we get into the rest of the playoffs? Oh, I, I mean, am I missing something? Do we, do we miss? Yeah, uh, surprise of the week. I'll quickly say it. AFC North, all the teams went above 500. Boom. What's yeah, that's yours? a cool one. Uh, I lost my – I exited out. Of all right, boom. You got no one. Let's go to <laughs> – Yeah, no surprise. I wasn't even surprised by anything. I know Oh, everything. there you go. Look at this guy. Nothing surprises Connor. Nothing surprises me. Let's get to the playoffs. Um. The NFL scriptwriters are in full swing. Tyreek in Kansas City, Stafford in Detroit, Mike McCarthy versus old team, the Texans yep. and the Browns in the Deshaun Bowl. And I understand you can always find a storyline if you look for it, but that, all those, are, the those are pretty key pieces to those teams. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, my God, Noah Brown is going to play against his old team. He's not, yeah. but it's not, it's not one of those fringe roster guys. We're talking about key cogs, coaches, quarterbacks. So – I, I think the NFL is so excited to kind of have that level of storytelling to go along with just the fact that football's football and playoff football's playoff football. Yeah. Uh, so the first game's 4.30. I think we kind of gave our preview already. We did. <laughs> uh, we'll make a pick. I'm obviously going to take the Browns in this one. Give me Texans. Okay. Uh, the Saturday night game. The stupid Peacock game. Is Taylor Swift is going to be on the P dot dot dot? Uh, we're going to get to see P uh, Taylor Swift on Peacock. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, um, what are your thoughts? Miami, Miami versus the Chiefs is the matchup. It's obviously at Kansas City. My dumb fan brain. This is literally all my logic in why I think this. Um, and I just think, like, with all the struggles they've had this year, especially on offense, and, oh, he has no weapons and all the struggle, Patrick, Mac- Patrick oh, my God, I just, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to win a home playoff game. He very rarely loses. Them. Uh, and that, and Miami Dolphins, I believe it's going to be 15 degrees I saw in Kansas City. It will be. That's just too cold for a Miami Dolphins team to play. Yeah. Um, For me, I I look at it from a different perspective. The the weather obviously plays a part. And I understand this is not a vintage Chiefs team. And I really wish the Miami Dolphins had been healthier because I think that. Yeah. I I think they would have. I actually probably would have picked them. I mean, Jalen Waddles, a walking medical tent uh, trip, does it every single game. Raheem Mostert. Starting to not necessarily show his age because he did put together a great season this year, but he's been in and out of the tent. A Chan's been in and out of the tent. You lose Bradley both Chubb, of them. Phillips. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Ramsey missed time. He's back now, but I think Xavier Howard's dead. They lose both starting linebackers in the Bills game last week. So they had to sign three dudes to the practice squad and active squad as of yesterday or today. I mean, I don't know what the record for amount of NFL starters lost because the offensive line's been dead for a while. I don't know what the record for amount of NFL starters lost on a team is. I know the 2020 49ers would really like to kind of throw their name in the ring for that because I'm pretty sure I remember the stats at one point, they had like 45% of their salary cap on IR, which is kind of an impressive statistic. But this Miami Dolphins team has been ravaged by injuries. You couple that with the cold. You couple that with we talk about experience. It now that Tom Brady's gone, there is nobody more experienced than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as a duo in the yeah, playoffs. They, they, they get to play at home. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the Chiefs. I also have the Chiefs. 
then the Sunday starts off with the Steelers coming into Buffalo. Uh, it's um, the biggest spread. I, I want to say I saw it at nine and a half the last time I saw I it. Saw, I saw it open at nine and a half. It's currently at 10. I don't really want to get too much discussion here just because I'm going to say um, Bills, they're the hottest team in football right now. Maybe yep. bar the, the Ravens. The Steelers will not have TJ Watt. Um, yeah. The Mason Rudolph bonanza. How long can that continue? So, Bills. I'm also going Bills. This is pro. I, you you covered it. The hottest team versus the team you kind of go above all else. Maybe maybe besides the Bucks, you go there in the playoffs, and that's the Steelers. Yep. So, uh, the Sunday afternoon game, the Green Bay Packers are going to be visiting the Dallas Cowboys, a familiar, formidable, familiar foe for head coach Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'll give a lot of credit to Jordan Love because I started the season saying this is not a franchise quarterback, and it is a franchise quarterback, yep. and a pretty good one it looks like at that. Um, the Packers are probably also ahead of the rebuild and also playing with house money just being in the playoffs. Um, we know Dal- We know what Dallas is. They are the wagon at home. I'm going to go with the Cowboys, but I don't know. I mean, I, there's some, there, there's just something weird about this Packers team. I don't know if it's the 17 different first or second year receivers that they all have that all seem to produce. I don't, I don't know what it is though. I'm not going to fully discard them. Like if you told me the Packers beat the Cowboys, maybe part of it's just the Cowboys are serial flukers, but I wouldn't fully be surprised as, as maybe I would with some of the other teams, but I'm still taking the Cowboys. You mentioned serial flukers, uh, and they are. I got a weird feeling about this. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? I got a weird, weird feeling that this is a year that they don't do it. I like them huge in this game. Oh, I I thought you started that. I thought you were going to take the Packers to win. I was like, oh, what's this guy doing? (laughs) No, 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 no. I like the Cowboys. Some, there's something about this Cowboys team that I think is a little different. A little different. They're going to get to play two home playoff games. And is then it, they just have no chance against the 49 Is it the fact that the um, is it the fact that CD Lamb's currently probably the best receiver in football at the moment? Yeah, and it, it, Dak is playing with more confidence than perhaps maybe since his, the first year of starting when they were yeah. good with the Zeke year. That's uh, what this team really reminds me of. I know that team kind of choked too, but uh, it's it, it, along with weapons on the defense with, I don't know. I just, I have a weird feeling about this team is much more complete. They have little holes, and I think this is above all else, any other year in the NFC, I think they have a chance to go deep. Um, all right, time uh, for the big one. Yeah, time for the big one. The Sunday night game, Matthew Stafford, the uh, pride and joy of Detroit for over a decade, uh, will head into Detroit at 8.15 Eastern Standard Time in attempt to dethrone the Lions. I guess it's not even dethrone because – we haven't won a playoff game since 1991. So, um, your thoughts? Yeah. So, uh, we talk about hottest teams. The Rams quietly yep. have to be mentioned as one of those. Um, Five and last... one, their last six. What? Five and one, their last six. I mean, you can go back to seven and, or you can go back to seven and one in their last eight. Because, oh, there you go. Actually, no, you could go to eight and one in the last nine, I think. Because I'm going all the way back to the Seahawks game and, uh, or no. The Packers on November 15th was their second loss. Obviously, the Ravens. But even the Ravens, they took into overtime in Baltimore. Um, this team, I don't know. It's kind of weird because it the offense is loaded. I don't know anything about the defense other than Aaron Donald is there. Yeah. Um, I know they once again continue. I, I, I have heard a couple people. I, I forget the names, but they've mentioned how the Rams have continuously – hit on some late round picks i mean they have to they don't have high picks but <laughs> they've they, they're a they're a phenomenal team we know what stafford can do we know what our defense cannot do um 
With that said, and now this is maybe just a pure fan pick, give me the Detroit Lions. You do not go 25 years without a playoff win to get a team that hosts for the first time in your stadium's history. You do not do all that and have this team that does so many things well and you don't lose. So Detroit Lions, spooky Lions. I love it. The Lions have had a great, great season. They've won 12 games for the first time since 1991 when they won that playoff game. Many people say I'm not a fan of any team, and I'm a cynical fan, that I get no joy out of sports, that how can I ever root for a team the way my brain goes, the way I think, the way I see the world, the way I see the sports Matthew Stafford has thrown the ball all around the yard to Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua all year long. But so has Jared Goff. This run game, Ben Johnson, aside from a couple slides in the middle of the year when Vladdy and I wanted to strangle him, he's been elite. This team has been elite. There's been holes on the defense. They've solved them over the last couple weeks. Defense is getting healthy. CJ yes, back, the defense back. Is James healthy. Houston supposed to be back. Defense is getting healthy. But there's only one way this game can go. There's only one man that can come into Detroit and win a playoff game. Michael Badgley? And that's the man who was drafted by the Lions first overall. In 2008. Get out of here. Give me the Rams by a touchdown. Thank oh, you get out of here. Yeah, I just – I think the Rams are too hot. I think there's going to be this sense of ten- – as excited and, and emotional as it's going to be in Detroit, I also think it's going to be very tense. And if things it. don't go wrong don't or don't go the right way early, I could see the crowd starting to get a little tense in that maybe causing a little too much tension in Dan and the team uh, and things going downhill. And I just trust Sean McVay so much more. Yeah. You want to talk about Dan, what the fuck is this guy going to do with a playoff game? We've talked about him and his lunatic moves in a regular season game. I am. If if I see a fake punt and it gets stopped on a stupid situation, I'm going to hurt myself, but teach their own. Um, I like this. We're split on two picks. Um, let's go to the last game on Monday night. Eagles, Bucks. This to me is kind of like I, I understand. I don't want to pick it, either of them. Yeah, I understand why it's the Monday night game. They're just it's like it's the playoff fatigue game. Nobody gives a shit about this game. Yeah, no one cares. It's it's the team that's actively quit on its head coach against probably the worst team in the playoffs. Who's in? Yeah. Who do you, who, who? I don't care. Give me a natural disaster. I just I I'm taking the Eagles purely on paper. And I think at the beginning of the year, I had the Eagles as my Super Bowl pick because I really thought that they were going to come back with a chip on their shoulder with all these veteran guys coming back with Jalen Hurts getting his contract and be just kind of like the world on fire. And they kind of did starting 10 and one, although I think people would have said that maybe not the extreme of the, the, the 2020 Steelers. But people would have said that they were somewhat frauds at 10 and 1, the way they've won some of those games. Uh, And now to lose five of your last six going into the playoffs, uh, the last two against two teams actively trying to lose. You can't have any confidence in this one as an Eagles. No, and I think. Especially going into Tampa Bay. No, I think we I think we drastically underestimated what losing both of your coordinators in the same season would do to your team. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a warning sign for Lions fans. I, I, we, we've had our our queries with Aaron Glenn, uh, but see, I heard he's been requested for some interviews too. Say they both leave. Oof. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Dan's, uh, we'll see, we'll see what Dan's made out of. But now, um, to talk about the game specifically, I, I really don't know which way to pick. I'll say, I'll go with the Eagles as well because on paper they are the better team, and you know what if. If they're healthy, because I know Devontae Smith was not healthy. A.J. Brown was not healthy. I mean, they started pulling starters at that point, too, once they realized there was something to play for. In the other games, they probably saw Dallas go up by 40, and they're like, all right, guys, just, just come on over. But, yeah. yeah. Um, nah, give me the Eagles. 
purely on talent on paper, but this Bucks team, we we I think I talked a little bit about them last week or the week before. Baker Mayfield has quietly put together a real, real season, and that yeah. is a that's a slightly dangerous. Uh, I mean, probably not. They get they get their shit rocked by San Francisco, but that it, that's certainly a team that can beat Philadelphia. Let's put it that way. But give me the Eagles. Do you want to let's make let's let's get crazy and make first round Super Bowl predictions? Um, I mean, mine's gonna be kind of boring. Give me the Ravens. Give me the 49ers. Mine is going to be 49ers, Bills, and the Bills take it all. All right, so they're gonna ride the heat. Hopefully, they yep. didn't peak just a little too early. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope not. But I think this is kind of. For hockey people, this is the J- Josh Allen's Alex Ovechkin year. The year that people have been saying year after year he loses to Crosby in the playoffs <laughs> for 10 years, it seems. And that's been Josh Allen with Patrick Mahomes and I guess Joe Burrow the last couple of years in the playoffs. And I think it's kind of like I got a weird feeling about the Cowboys. I got a weird feeling about the Bills this year. I like it. Um Give me a San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl victory. They finally get it done before their team gets way too expensive. They have to blow it up. Those four years of super competing and stacking Trent Williams and Fred Warner and just top three guys at their position all over football, it's finally going to pay off for them. My Super Bowl champion is the San Francisco 49ers. Fair enough. Uh, You can't argue with that. The 49ers just – on paper, there shouldn't be a team in the NFL that sniffs their jock. Yeah. All right. Um, this was good. I mean, we went long. This is probably gonna be one of our longest episodes ever. Um, I don't have too much more to say, and I don't want to hit rambling stage because I'm a little bit hungry. So, um, I'm gonna say as always, go Lions. Turn it to you for the last words. Let's beat Matthew Stafford. Let's do it. <laughs>